0: Hola mi gente, the title of this episode is Beer and Entrepreneurship. Sofia unfortunately had a sick pup this week, so I had to do the interview solo, but we have David Favela. He is an entrepreneur, and he is the founder of Border X Brewery in San Diego. They have three locations, including one in LA, and he also helped found Mujeres Brewhouse, a female-led brewery. That's been around as well and gaining popularity. He's also part of a team that's trying to help 100 startups of black, brown, minority, um, disenfranchised people, help them start their business. And we talk about all that in a wide ranging interview that takes uh, probably about an hour and a half that I did with him. After that, things kind of go off the rail. So the first 90 minutes are the interview, then I think I'm probably cutting all this out. But um, in the live version, if you want, you can check it out. I sort of randomly mused about some tabs because Sophia wasn't here. And then Sophia finally calls in at the end and we do no Namous way with her on the phone. So you guys are probably just going to hear the interview and then right into that. Um, but if you do want to hear all the stuff that's off the walls that gets cut out of the audio version then you can listen to us record this live usually Thursday nights on youtube.com slash 2 burrito, facebook.com slash 2 or twitch.tv slash 2 burrito. As always, wherever you're listening to our pod, thank you. Please take a moment, give us a rating, give us a follow. It really helps us out tremendously. We look forward to your feedback. You can always write us to mi gente at gmail.com or you can follow us on mi gente on Instagram, at mi gente show, sorry, at mi show at gmail.com and at mi show on Instagram. Um, And you can always message us. As always, you can always go to 2AMBurrito.com to find out more about our company and see all our old films. Thank you very much. And as always, enjoy the pod. What is up, everybody? It is your boy, Luis Martinez, a.k.a. Big Chief Burrito, live with you on a Thursday. Mi Gente Show slash Fireside Chats with Big Chief Burrito. Live on a Thursday we are live from san diego california thank you for everybody that's tuning in go ahead and leave a like a comment on the stream if you see us scrolling by if you're at your desktop go ahead and leave that open on a tab it helps us out even if you mute us if you lurk you are welcome to lurking hang out ask questions we're talking beers breweries startups today um sofia carrillo my co-host is not here yet she had a, a family medical dog situation happening one of her pups is a little under the weather so sending love to cookie and her um, she may or may not be able to hop in but hey i can handle an interview by myself and today we are joined by the founder of border X brewing here in san diego california uh, historic barrio logan Um, this place has been around for several years. One of the best breweries right here in the land of good breweries. He also has a lot of work that he does in the community, um, with, um, women empowered and women owned business, Mujeres Brewing, as well as some other projects he has ongoing in the entrepreneurial space with startups, small businesses. And, um, I met him a couple of years back at the John Leguizamo event that he hosted for his comic book. Um, I was one of the um well I was I did a small donation for the for that project and I got to meet John Leguizamo, and I got to spend a little bit of time at the location which is awesome. So joining us tonight to talk all things cerveza and life Mr. David Favela. Hey, what's going on, mi gente? Hey, what's going on, David? See I had to I had a I had a I had to step my hat game up cuz I you had, you had yours on and I was like I can't I can't let him out shine me. <laughs> right um so thank you for coming on number one um let's get let's get into it man where where did uh where did the passion for business start with you um was it was it which were you uh were you like the kid with the lemonade stand did you have to go work in the coal mines early on or where, where did this hustle start from uh, at an early age for you uh,
1: brother i believe that if there's some truth to being born with a certain you know certain instinct I remember when I used to go back to Mexico, to Durango, Mexico, with uh, my dad and my family. And I used to have just the craziest business ideas. Like, we'd see, like, these, uh, the donkeys, you know, out in the field. And I'm like, pa, ¿de quién son los donkeys? It's like, mijo, they're nobodies. They're just out there. And I'm thinking, if I collect these donkeys and I resell them, maybe I could make a fortune. (laughs) Donkey Uber? Donkey Uber. I even came up. Uh, my cousins and I organized them. We made some perfume out of some uh, or cologne. We thought out of some rubbing alcohol and some flowers that were growing on a tree, and we just put them all together, thinking we could make an essence out of that. And boy, did it stink! Rubbing alcohol never smells good, no matter how many flowers you put in there.
0: <laughs> so, so uh, were you born in Mexico? Were you born here and went back and forth? Were you like a border kid?
1: No, yeah, I was more of a border kid. I was born in the U.S., but we went back and forth. I thank my dad for renewing my cultural roots like every summer, going down there, uh, running with my cousins up in the Sierra de Durango, you know, riding horses, tending cattle. It was bomb. Best memories.
0: Was it, um because I know I grew up going back and forth uh, between uh, the U.S. and Colombia and back and forth and stuff like that. Did you, uh, was it the thing when you were in, in Mexico that they made you speak English and over here they made you speak Spanish or did, was it pretty fluid like language wise?
1: Well, no, you know, when I was in the U.S., my parents really made it a point to learn English, but also to never lose Spanish. So when I went to Mexico, don't forget about it, I was surrounded by cousins and uncles and you know, you're the gabacho for the first few weeks when you're down there in the summer, but you know, within a within four weeks, I, I had a certain level of fluency. You know, it just it all had to just come back. Yeah. Every time
0: I went down to Colombia, I was always el gringo for a while, mm-hmm. and then it was like, yeah, okay, yeah, you you've assimilated. I see. Yes. Um, one of the, um, I mean, a little segue here, because this is something that that recently has come up like in the in the kind of general conversation about Latinidad and, and, and you know, Hispanic Heritage Month, all these topics get brought up. But there is a there is kind of this ongoing conversation about like the newer generation of American Latinos and not necessarily um, that maybe just like one in four um, are like fluent in Spanish or really speak a lot of Spanish. Um, When I was growing up, you know, my dad, one of my dad's things for was that, you know, that he would say, well, those aren't real Latinos. Or he would sort of get mad at people that we would meet that were Latinos in New York, but really couldn't speak English, couldn't speak Spanish and stuff like that. Um, Do you think that there's any validity to that in terms of how that validates somebody's Latinidad or Hispanidad?
1: You know, I don't know if language is the defining factor, whether you, you know, have held on to your culture or not. Um, obviously it's an important factor, but, you know, if I see people who have a genuine interest in their roots, you know, I read a, what's that definition of Chicano, Uh, a person who has a non-Anglo perspective of themselves. Mm. And in other words, they see themselves from a historical perspective and not just through the eyes of the United States. And, um, I think that's way more important than the language because if someone understands who they are and where they are... And why they are uh, is so much more important whether they can, you know, speak Spanish. But it's always good. It's, you know, it's like our cuisine, our traditions, our language. You know, some of us will hold on to all of it. Some of us, half of it. And, you know, some of us, none of it. You know, it happens in my own family. My, My younger sister doesn't speak Spanish. And my older brothers all speak with an accent, you know. Right. Because they they grew up in speaking Spanish. So even in my own family, we have the spectrum. But we all celebrate the culture. We all respect where we are and and where we're from.
0: And then like somebody like myself, I was I was told that I spoke too white growing up as a teenager and stuff like that. So so even though I, I, I spoke both languages, when I spoke English, I was being too, you know, you know, I was being too white in my in my sound
2: yeah. So you,
0: you So I I think it's important, and I think that that it's important to respect the language, and I do believe that it is, you know, it is a factor in culture and what the culture has. But I I don't think it's the def it's the de- definitive point that that defines whether somebody is Latino or Chicano or Hispanic or
1: not. No, and you know, on that topic, when we did our own market studies of who our target demographic was, you know, because we did want to appeal to Latino. That was our target demographic, just like myself. What we really found was there was no one definition. In fact, we came up with a term for it. We call it a, a beautiful conundrum. In other words, Latinos are all of the above and more. You know, they pick and choose from their own taste in music. They might love Morrissey or The Cure and right. they love Vicente Fernandez and can sing all his songs. And that's just what it means to be, you know, this beautiful conundrum. We're all collecting, you know, different things to make up our own identity. And I think that's an incredibly creative and innovative approach to living life. You know, being able to pick and choose from from both cultures, what you like about the U.S., but what you like about where you're from.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, This is something that you will run into um, as you are now also one of the part of the selection committee for the san diego latino film festival one of the things that i ran into last year was that we would watch these films and you know you can't tell who's latino by their last name you know you know you can say well favela and martinez those are pretty obvious but you could have a schwartz or a smith or you know i mean there's a bunch of other latinos with with german last names you know swiss last names etc so you would i would watch a film and i would see it and i would be like well this isn't really a latino story The people on screen don't really, they don't, they don't, they don't scream Latinidad, you know. And this is a conversation about people that are like, well, there's Latinos that are passing, and then there's Latinos that, you know, like I'm not, I'm a non passing Latino. I I can't all of a sudden act like I'm something else, right? Mm
1: -hmm. So
0: you would dig a little bit deeper and say, well, where is the Latinidad in the story? And is it really something that's, that, that needs to be a part of the festival? And then sometimes they would have like, an editor that was Mexican or like a, you know, a lighting person or something like that. And you would just be like, so you try to find yourself not in a position to judge Latinidad, but wanting to make sure that the submission is something that really falls within the boundaries of what the festival is trying to promote, which are Mm -hmm. either stories by Latinos, starring Latinos or about Latinos. Correct. So you'll, you'll run into that as you start watching movies for the festival.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Look I'm looking
0: forward, forward to, it. to it. Hopefully this year, I think they added like a mission statement and like a, a thing that people, that the filmmakers had to submit, which said that, yes, you know, either Latinos wrote this, directed this, or are part of this or star in this, which is, I think a fair, I think it's a fair way to start, um, you know, the 30th annual San Diego Latino film festival submissions are now open for all my filmmakers. Um, so, move back and forth across the border. You have the Dunk Uber idea early on. You start, you start, you start working that. What, um, what happens next? What, what gets you, what, what builds your business mind frame that you, that you have till this day? Do you, you take business classes or is it just all street hustle and learned?
1: Oh, brother. So, so my story is quite unique, my my educational story, kind of in a nutshell. I started elementary school, failed second grade three times, got sent literally in the short bus across town uh, to a special school, you know, where I sat there with students who were truly mentally disabled or challenged. I mean, and it was all because no one spoke Spanish. I mean, the school I went to, there was no bilingual education. The IQ test was administered in English, so I didn't know what the hell they were asking me. I still remember all of that stuff, and that's where my life could have ended, but I learned how to read on my own in the library of that school, and it just kind of took off from there. So I did, you know, read like a madman, consumed everything I could get my hands on, and um, anyways, ended up going to getting my bachelor's degree at Chico State, Um, you know, Dean's List, straight A's, got a scholarship to Princeton to work as a Woodrow Wilson Fellow. I got my graduate degree from UCSD, and then just recently finished up a Stanford um, certificate program there for business. And um, that's my educational preparation. But you know what I credit a lot of my hustle to is I worked at Hewlett Packard for 22 years in a variety of fields from supply chain to new business development. And there was something I learned at HP in that corporate environment of how to take technology and make it into a business, right? Convert it into a product, test that product, refine that product, and launch it into the marketplace. And I used that exact same approach when I started Border X Brewing. There's a concept called MVP. And it's not Most Valuable Player. It's Minimum Value Proposition. It's just a process where you go about methodically developing your idea. And I don't think people understand, but there is no way in hell I could have come up with a business plan that said, hey, start a Chicano brewery open up in Barrio Logan and keep growing it. It was really, um, you know, it was a step-by-step process where I I learned a ton about our community. I learned a ton about our business and, um, and we just kept developing it. So, you know, education, but really that corporate experience and business development was a huge aid in kind of earning my chops. So
0: an autodidact that goes into the corporate world and learns the ropes. Pretty much.
1: And, and who always had a predisposition to entrepreneurialism. I just, I think it's one of the most powerful engines in any society, under whatever you know structure you build it. Giving people the ability to create things and solve problems, it's huge.
0: Yeah, no, I I, I noticed that you know not only are you are you doing your own work, but you're also helping other people you know get off their feet and 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 sort of creating environments where you know. You give people the bootstraps to pull themselves up from, uh, which is, I think, something that that in the Latino community is not as it's not as easy. Right. Because, you know, that's the old, there's tons of stories of Latinos, uh, Chicanos that are self-taught, um, self-made. But, you know, if, if you're being if you're being honest about the landscape, it, it, we do have a higher degree of difficulty to create these um, these these situations where where something can grow from nothing. Um, as important as it was for you to, to be able to start your own business, do you get the same level of excitement, uh, emotion, um, about running a successful business versus helping somebody start, start something up?
1: Equally. Uh, you know, I've always been energized with ideas, you know, and I have this ability to just kind of extrapolate a certain idea and test it. And, You know, the way I think about it is I almost have like this three dimensional mind that can like grab an idea or a business concept, you know, look at it, evaluate it. And it just it it absorbs all my senses. I mean, I get really passionate. And even when I'm consulting or working with new business startups, I mean, they got one hundred and ten percent of my attention while we're talking. And I'm seeing kind of like the key things about that business that are going to make it successful or break it. And so I think, um, you know, I, I love working with entrepreneurs. Now I have an opportunity to work with officially uh, as a director of the Talent Foundry. I'm going to be working with the most promising diverse founders in San Diego. That's my it's going to be my full time gig. And I couldn't be more excited.
0: Do you have the the brewery on autopilot at this point where, you don't you can be a little bit more hands off? Is that kind of why it's opened you up for this?
1: absolutely you know we originally had a plan of, you know rapid expansion plan to get to six tap rooms you know and two breweries making the beer to support, support them but i'm i'm calling a pause right now at three uh and we're not going to expand any further we are going to explore canning which is something we hadn't done before and uh probably next year I'll look at probably getting into more of the distribution side and you know doing a few key beers out in the marketplace but I don't want to sign any more leases. The pandemic kind of threw me for a loop and uh, I just want to, want to take a break. And usually I'm a very, you know, aggressive growth kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So for me to say pause, it takes a lot. Okay, Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, it's a different time frame than it was three years ago. Well, can, t- can you take us back a little bit to um, to even further back when you decide to invest in a, you know, Chicano and brewery and, you know, specifically, you know, the neighborhood um, at that time, sort of in in, in in flux between where it could sort of be gentrified or sort of community-owned, et cetera, et cetera. Um, what, what went into that, that whole process of choosing the location, choosing the project when you launched um, BorderX?
1: Well, you know, when I mentioned that it grew very organically under this MVP kind of methodology, an MVP is trying to strip down your business model to the bare essence so you can test it. And our MVP was open up a brewery in Otay Mesa in some warehouse space that we could get for a dollar per square foot in the middle of nowhere. And there was no real plan, strategic plan to grow it into anything. But we did make one key decision there. And this is a feature of our MVP was we said, you know what, we're going to be Mexican-American brewers. I mean, we were doing Scottish ales, German pilsners, you know. All these like European beers, and we couldn't see ourselves in those beers. We couldn't. I mean, you can appreciate the the traditions right. they have in the beers, but there's nothing of us or our childhood or anything about us in those beers. So we said, "Well, let's do it Mexican American style." And my nephew went off, and he did a uh, brought back a blood red beer. It's beautiful, ruby red. Poured it for us. It was so red that the foam was pink. And I tasted it, and I was like, "Holy crap!" This is phenomenal. And it was an Agua de Jamaica beer. And that's current, our blood says on. I said, you know, that moment, it crystallized in my mind. We are on to something. We've got to do this. You know, whatever happens, this is our destiny. We're going to contribute our own Mexican-American roots to the San Diego craft beer scene and maybe beyond.
0: I'm just saying if if for some reason I had some of that beer back here I would keep it back here in the background all the time <laughs> <Just> because that's <laughs> I'm just put, just putting it out there David. Um uh, so yeah I, I was a little apprehensive about the ayahuasca beers, but once I tasted it I was like man this is this is good. This this, this is a good uh, genre.
1: Well, you know it 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 goes it started opening up my eyes. You know people talk about colonial mindset that we're told what's good. I never truly understood it. Until I started brewing beer, and then I really got it, because I was well, you know, I was looking at craft beer, and it's like, well, where did the recipes come from? Who said what's good? Because we caught a lot of flack for brewing with our with our heart and our culture, and we didn't even do an IPA. We were just like, that's not us. And uh, for the first few years, we do now, but we caught a lot of flack, and I think it was because we wanted to put ourselves into those beers. We wanted to see our culture. We wanted to connect with our customers who also shared the same culture. And um, that was a beautiful thing. You know, now we've got pepino sour, we've got Orchata golden stout. And, you know, and, and so if I could a- answer your question, we, uh, we did that. We learned two things when we were in Otay Mesa. One, brew with your heart, brew with your culture. But two... Holy crap, our community, our craft beer drinkers. When we opened up on the first day, there was a line of like 50 people waiting to come in. And my brother and I, who had never tapped a keg like in years since college, we're like, holy crap, the beer's foaming. What do we do? How do we charge people? It was like a super big learning curve. But what we learned, the reason why so many people came, because the nearest brewery was like a 40 minute drive away. And so the whole concept of our communities not being served because people had preconceived notions that Latinos aren't gonna like breweries. Latinos don't like craft brewery, you know, and it's like bull. Sorry, bullshit. Right.
0: <laughs> uh David, you're you're tapping your mic a little bit, just you know, in case ah, okay. Sorry gadgets. about that. F-FYI, FYI, mm-hmm. Um, no, and and I mean, obviously San Diego is one of the most competitive markets for breweries if you you know anywhere north park etc there's there's three on every block across the street from each other it 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 is a market that became saturated and then there's the the San Diego local breweries and then there's the um there's the ones that are masked as a local breweries but are actually owned by like huge conglomerates right there's the sort of i know there's a barrel something or other that people were against because it was kind of like it's not really a local brewery it's Budweiser and they're masking themselves as a local brewery. How hard was it to navigate that that sort of scene and competition here in this market?
1: It wasn't hard at all, and you know why is because you have to be different. Part of the reason we embrace Latino culture and Latino locations is we were the only ones. We're still kind of the only ones. There's no one kind of taking this approach, Um, and you know if. For those of you who are interested in recommended business reads, read this book called Blue Ocean. Basically states that if you don't play by the rules of the game and you redefine the game, you win. And so for us, trying to make the best IPA in San Diego was just trying to out IPA Green Flash, out IPA, you know, Carl Strauss. Are you kidding me? It's ridiculous. So we said, no, we're going to be completely different. And that difference has made. A huge impact on our business i mean i think our tap rooms are probably in the top five as far as visitors and sales i think we're up there with the big boys even though we're technically a tiny little brewery to be truthful
0: okay excellent and do you feel that's kind of like um comes from the startup mentality of being of of this being disruptive you know how the you know absolutely is that what the you know okay
1: yeah, absolutely. No, being disruptive, that, that we, we staked out our space and we said, we're going to be about this. We understand the Latino customer, the Latino palate. We know how um, we called ourselves an evangelizing brewery in the sense that, you know, a lot of people, especially when we opened up in Barrio Logan, they would come to me and say, do you have Tecate? Do you have Modelo? Do you, have, you know, what beers do you have? And we're like, no, but try this. And I'd hand them one of those uh, little tasters. And they would be like, holy smokes, this this is delicious. And they would become diehard customers of ours. And because they can only get that beer at Border X, we just became a go to for lots of really loyal customers. So I think my advice to any business person is don't play by the rules of the game. Be differentiated. Do something different and make sure that you're differentiated. And you have a better chance of succeeding.
0: No, uh, the uh, words to live by or to business by, right? Exactly. When you, um, so was the, was the community uh, Barrio Logan pretty receptive when you, when you showed up, you know, at that time you have like yourself, Barrio Dog, other businesses. There's also, there were art uh, locations that were closing down. There were businesses that were getting pushed out of the area because of rent increases can you speak a little bit about you know the area while when you arrived
1: no when we arrived brother that was nine years ago and uh barrio dog was has only been around
0: no I well think. yeah I'm, I'm thinking more like over the last couple of years but i'm saying mm-hmm. so you were there before this kind of everything started happening right
1: yeah. look there were three of us there and the only reason i went there is because milo from Viva, and ernie from salud san diego taco company and chris from La Bodega, had tried my beer at an art gallery open that I did at Voz Alta, which was like a little underground art gallery there for Chicanos. And people loved it. And they invited me over and said, hey, you should consider opening up with us. If you know where Salud is, I and I did, and I opened up the tap room right where Ernie's uh, dining area is. He had the kitchen and Chris did La Bodega in the back, and that was the catalyst to really kind of test the waters and see what could be done because everything else on the street was either boarded up and empty. You know, we were kind of what got the whole ball rolling, and I'm proud of that because it wasn't just getting it rolling, but we've been active working together to try to mitigate the effects of being popular, you know, the whole block kind of lifting up. And trying to get you know grassroots entrepreneurs in there, you know a lot of the big uh, shops that are there have been uh, divvied up into smaller studios. We did that on purpose. That wasn't an accident. That was Chris Sertucci from La Bodega creating art artist spaces that were affordable, you know um, incubators, if you will. That's what they are. And so instead of having to pay a three or four thousand dollar, you know, nut to rent a big spot. You just rent a small studio, and you're spending maybe three, four, five hundred bucks. So that's much more affordable to try to get in more Latino business people into those spaces, and um, and we've worked with landlords to try to mitigate the impact when certain people, you know, we don't control the world. So when certain right. stuff happens, you know, we try to mitigate it as much as possible. We have a philosophy of gentrification, which is very distinct from gentrification. But I think we've got to claim our spaces, brother. I mean, if it if not for us claiming those spaces and trying to manage them, what else would be happening right now? No, yeah,
0: absolutely. I think that that um, you know, and I I come from it more from um, you know because we talk a lot about the you know there was a report that came out today that of the eight thousand hours of TV made over the last couple of years, there's a grand total of nine Latino showrunners. Yep. And, you know, there's only maybe two or three Latino shows at any given point. And when two new ones get made, like, you know, this fool came on, but they canceled one day at a time or, you know, gentrified gets canceled, but this one gets put on. So, you know, there is and, and that's kind of where I'm the most active um, you know, Batgirl gets canceled with a Latina lead, you know, as a ninety million dollar write off. So I think where I'm most active in that space is in a in in that we need to be able to tell more stories of our, from our own culture, from our own perspective. And what's most important to me is we need the ability to fail, because there's thousands of movies and TV shows that get created and they're ran or directed by mediocre, you know, non Hispanic directors, and you know. I want us to get to the point where a Latino director can make a crappy movie and it's not the end of the world. We're 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 judged by such a high mark where we everything we do has to be ground groundbreaking, earth shattering, important, poignant. You know, it has to be. And and I just want to make funny movies. I just want the chance to direct a funny movie, make funny movies, make stories So so from that perspective, I'm 100 percent on board with kind of claiming our own spaces. And I think the Latino community is doing a better job gradually of finding their voice and saying enough is enough. And we want more representation. We're 30, 40 percent of the population. We go to more movies than anybody else. We love beer. We love spending money. We love to party. Give us the ability to to be part of the conversation and to and to tell our stories and to sell our products. You know, if you agree with that.
1: Oh, I absolutely agree with that. And I mean, I think what people don't understand and why I chose to invest so much in the breweries and invest in entrepreneurs and do the job I do now, people do not understand that in California, 60% of the student body coming up is Latino. And there's a big difference. So sometimes when we talk about demographics, we talk about Latinos becoming the largest minority. And it's like, ooh, that's interesting. But there's a huge difference when you talk about the age of these demographics. So you have a much older white demographic aging out and they're no longer the tastemakers, the, the, you know, the innovators are retiring. You know, the, these are real things that like these baby boomers, for wow. example, are doing. And instead you have this huge cohort of Latinos coming up who are going to demand content, movies, Uh, food, uh, businesses that understand and vibe on whatever frequency they're on. And that's the real interesting thing is what frequency are they going to be on? In my opinion, like I said earlier, Latinos are beautiful conundrums. They're they're like this interesting, you know, you got a cholo goth person, you know, who loves goth music. And there's all kinds of like really strange mashups of how you choose to be Latino. And it's totally cool. No one, there is no one way to be a Latino anymore, you know? And I think that was true true. when I was growing up. And now it's like, oh, you can be a Latino in so many different ways.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Growing up in the 90s in New York, um, I I was ashamed, well, not shame, embarrassed to say that I wanted to make movies because it was like, well, you ain't going to make no movies like you need to just relax, you know, like so I was I was laughed at for that. And I and I also and I so I didn't really feel like I fit into a lot of the the cool Latino culture at the time, you know, because I was like into movies and art and poetry and stuff like that. And and like I said, I was told that I spoke too white, um, you know. But but the but I think that that we all got to get to a place where we're comfortable being. Who we are, and not letting the word define us, but us define the word. You know, like I said, I, I, you know, I'm Colombian, Uruguayan, but I'm, I'm entrenched in the Mexican American culture of Southern California for the last twenty years, and I love it, and I've been accepted by it. You know, I call myself Big Chief Burrito, not because I wanted to, just because I love San Diego and I love burritos, and my company's called Two M Burrito. but um, so, and you know, and like you said, it doesn't. You know, I grew up listening to salsa, tango. My dad, my dad was a tango musician, and you know, I went to an Iron Maiden concert on Sunday. So, there's nothing really that 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 should define what what that is, um, other than than just a people. a big. We're not a monolith, as they say.
1: Well, I think my goal is. I think there was an assimilation model in the 50s of what it meant to become American. And it meant stop speaking your native tongue, stop making all that weird food, just eat like all of us eat. You know, there was a strong push to conformity. And I think now and because we're so many, we're defining the word now. Right. And I think that's why a new generation is looking even for a new term. You know, I'm not crazy about Latinx. I know a lot of OGs don't agree with it. But I think it's that upcoming generation that's like, you know what, we're we're something new. And, uh, we want to define ourselves and we need a new term.
0: Sorry. My dog was barking in the background. Uh, in the words, yeah. Yeah. The assimilation was, all right, we'll let you put, uh, we'll let you put avocado on the hamburgers, but you gotta, you gotta, you gotta stop speaking that Spanish. Yeah. Usually, usually it takes what three generations to fully assimilate into the culture. Um, yeah, we always talk about the Latinx issue or la- Latin as, as some people like to say, um, I, I always try to use them um, or add them to my conversations because I feel that it doesn't I mean I, I will always identify as Latino um and, and but I respect people's right to be identified as whatever they want and it doesn't it doesn't cost me anything, it doesn't hurt me anything. Saying Latinx does not erase Latinidad. It's more of a catch all term. And yes, the media uses it and, and 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 it is portrayed as a woke term created by the media and scholars to Sort of further define us, but I I, I think it's a, I think that like you said the OGs get a little they get a little bit mad, but, but it's, it's nothing. Just stand outside. There's it's not it's not changing anything. It's not really it's not it's not really hurting you.
1: No, and I think we do need to, to define a new what it means to be Latino. You know, in the next ten to twenty years, and uh, the terms we've used in the past just don't make any more sense. You know, uh, it used to be common to use the term Hispanic. Right, there's even the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce. And it's just like Hispanic. I've never thought of myself as Hispanic, um, Latino, you know, and even the term Chicano. Right. You know, I, I, interesting story up in L.A. Uh, I did Chicano Con, which is just a play on words, a comic con, you know, trying to support the popular arts among Latino comic book writers and, and artists and, you know, give kids a really cool experience. And someone left a suggestion in our suggestion box, if you can imagine we have one, and it said, Chicano, what is this, the 1970s? I mean, literally, kind of. I was like, oh, snap. You know, I can't believe someone called me out on that. And I think it's because people still struggle. What the hell does Chicano even mean to the new generation?
0: Right. Yeah, Mexican-Americans in L.A.s. A percentage of them which much rather prefer Chicano to Latinx, but then you have the the younger generation that, that prefer the X. Um, so obviously the X and Border X Brewing did not come from Latinx, obviously.
1: No, no. In fact, just to be very clear and set the record, X is a metaphor for crossing and X is a metaphor or a stand in for anything. So it's really about crossing borders because we were on the border. Uh, and, uh, but it's also crossing borders between cultures and communities, you know, bringing together our LGBTQ community, you know, people of color community. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, breaking down some of those borders that have been separating ourselves, you know, and and, in our own Latino, Latinx community, there's no reason to tear ourselves apart. And, you know, the real interesting thing is the folks in the LGBTQ community of color, They're like, yeah, we feel welcomed in, you know, Hillcrest and whatnot, but not as welcome as as when we can come into our own community and be welcomed and accepted by people that we grew up with. And uh, it's really powerful. And I'm glad that Border X and Mujeres stand side by side with our, you know, with all our brothers and sisters.
0: I know Sophia was excited to talk about she identifies as bi as well. And it is bi visibility month. So we were going to talk about that, but she's busy. So we will touch on that at a later date, <laughs> uh, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we're, um, shout out to the whole LGBTQ community and, and them having a place, um, you know, cause there's a difference. There's the, there's the, there's even in San Diego, you have your, 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 your Mexican Americans, your, your, your foreigners, your, people that grew up in TJ, you know, your people that identify as just Mexican, Mexican, people that identify as as Chicanos, and a mix of the two. And then you even have the, you know, two or three generations in that sort of, there is that percentage of the Latino community, which, which I've had issues with in the past that sort of become the... You know, that that that's like, OK, I got in. Let's close the door behind me, which I'm not a yeah. big fan of. And they're sort of been like hard co-assimilating where they almost feel like they're not Latinos anymore. They're like, no, we're Americans now. Yeah. And so and and, and you people need to stay on the other side of the border, which I think is a little sad from my perspective. But that's just a, that's like I said, it's a mon- We're not a monolith. The Latino and Hispanic culture is made up of thousands on the spectrum and and we have different beliefs you know right wing left wing etc etc
1: i agree and i don't like making value judgments on anybody but for someone to have to abandon everything that makes made them who they were in order to feel accepted into a new society yes. there's just something inherently wrong about that you know i think um i challenge that assimilation model i think you we have the unique opportunity to bring the best of what it means to be argentino or mexican or guatemalan or honduran and share it i mean don't you feel blessed that you can be in the united states and eat german apple pie Absolutely. and you know european sausage and italian pizza and ethiopian you know this and thai curry i mean we are i don't know if you've ever gone back to mexico or argentina or anywhere what? but those countries aren't as diverse even though they're mexico for example where i went back to live for three years I couldn't get good sushi. I could get Mexican sushi, you know, the deep fried breaded kind yeah, yeah. with cream cheese. But I couldn't get the legit kind, you know, and uh, and even the Chinese food hits different down there. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's and, and and you go to Mexico and there's 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 Chinese culture in Mexico and, and sure. as well. Yeah. No. Um, as somebody who, you know, identifies, well, you know, I'm Colombian and Uruguayan. So. First yeah. I got the I got the tattoos because I was like when I first was, I was like, well I'm not Mexican. I wanna I wanna be able to people to know that I'm Latino, but 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 now it's like, yeah, the border X, right? Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um that's why I got it so I could get on the dance floor with the throw the bows. You know. <laughs> um but yeah, I've lived in Colombia, I've lived in Uruguay and and um and, and I've lived here and I've lived in Mexico. So I, I've been across and and I do I do agree with you that, that that's the part of the the culture that pisses me off the most, that, that they assimilate to the point where they don't realize that what they're fighting against is the reason that they hear and that they do have the ability to assimilate. That the, the thought process of, I got in, I'm gonna close the door behind me. And, and immigration is one of the biggest, uh, one of my biggest uh, uh, issues politically um in a in that i feel that that it's used as a topic to help fundraise but it's something that they don't never really want to fix because it just makes people think oh yeah we're the you know not to get political or whatever but we're the part we're the party of immigration but nothing it's the one thing where like you could fix the problem at any point you want but then you wouldn't be able to raise money and campaign on it you know kind of yeah. that's that's kind of how i feel about that um so moving on to um So, so you, you opened up in uh, Otay Mesa or right. Or what was the first one? in? uh, Yeah. The
1: first one was on Otay Mesa. Within two months, I was signing a lease on the Barrio Logan spot. Wow. But even then I wasn't sure if it was going to work. It was only a six month lease. And once that six month lease was up, we moved across the street because I had more confidence in the business and it was a much larger spot where we are today. Uh, Within two years, we moved up to L.A. and opened up a much larger brewery up there. And uh, in 2020, during the pandemic, we purchased another brewery, Mujeres, and named it Mujeres. So, uh, yeah, we've been busy.
0: How how was that process? And did you make a conscious effort to go into woman owned business with mujeres or what, when did that idea start to germinate for you?
1: Oh, the idea germinated when my when we looked at our analytics, you know, when we look at social media, followers, uh, credit card data, everything we could get. And it basically told us that 60 percent of our customers were female, which I don't know how much you know about craft breweries, but that's kind of unheard of Yeah, to have that kind of traction with female customers. And I think they liked us both because the flavors, the beers, uh, the cultural context where they can, you know, could come in and watch music, see art. Like there was so much more, I think, that Border X offered a female customer than most craft breweries, to be honest. And um, when we when we saw that, my wife said, you know what, let's start a women's uh, mujeres brew club. And it was about educating females about, you know, brewing and technology and all that kind of stuff. And that blew up like the first the first class she held. she was thinking maybe 20 will come. And then that sold out. Then it was 40. Then it was 60. And then they're like, okay, we can't have more than 60 women in this, you know, tap room. And it just kept growing. And uh, they were doing it all the way up to the pandemic. They even spread out to Los Angeles. And it was equally popular there. Women are just looking for the opportunity to come to a a welcoming environment at a brewery and really enjoy themselves. And so when the pandemic hit, we had to cancel the brew club. And my wife right there, Carmen, said, you know, she was joking. She goes, man, wouldn't it be cool if we could just buy that brewery over at Bread and Salt? And I was like, well, why not? And I literally we called the, the owner after that kind of like short conversation and we pitched him on the idea and he was speechless. He was like, David, I have a huge smile on my face. Send me your proposal. We, I drafted a proposal, sent to him and sent it to him that night. He was reading it in his bed, he and his wife, and he said they could hardly sleep. They were so excited to meet with us the next morning. We met with him the next morning and they're like, here are the keys. You know, you're going to do this project. It was, like, really incredible, to be honest. It was one of those things, you know, that just feels like it it had to happen. And we made it happen. And uh, I think the industry, the community, everyone just loves mujeres. And it makes sense. You know, it's the only female managed and soon all-female-owned craft brewery in San Diego. Wow. So, you know, the whole idea is to really, I think, the the craft beer scene needs a, a, a makeover. You know, it, it needs diversity. It needs a little more color, uh, a little more femaleness into the mix. And that's what they're doing. And in fact, my wife was invited to the Smithsonian uh, this month of October in Washington, D.C., where she'll be included on uh, a whole display about Latinos and craft brewing. And so they're going to be honored out there. And they've been in so many articles and magazines and it's just, it just makes sense, you know. You know when those things just make sense and they yeah. fall together. Kismet. Mm-hmm. Kismet.
0: Absolutely. Uh, which which leads you to have the ability to sort of jump into this entrepreneurial startup space, where where we're not necessarily we. You've done the brewery thing. You open up the the woman owned brewery. You 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 expand to three locations you put a pause on that but now you you start to focus a little bit on the types of small businesses that you can help get a leg up like i said sort of provide the bootstraps for people that have been told to use their bootstraps right
1: yeah you know the 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 most challenging thing is latinos are one of the hardest working most entrepreneurial people you'll ever find like you know someone with no money will figure out how to start their business or go hustle their services. The problem we have is that we haven't developed the mindset and the network of people who can invest in us. You know, they in startups they talk about friends and family being your first source of capital. Mindset. And uh, uh unfortunately, I don't know about your friends and family, but between my friends and family, we can barely put together a couple thousand dollars. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Whereas, you know, another uh, demographics, you know, their friends and family. I know a brewery I won't name that I looked at their financials and, you know, they got three million dollars from just their dad, brother and sister. I mean, that that was just family, not even friends. I was like, Jesus, Jesus, you know, Um, and I think that's what I want to tackle is I want to work with Latinos who have big ideas, who have ganas. And want to hustle a business from an idea, ideation, through those first few hurdles of building their business case, their business pitch, their MVP. And then being able to actually go in front of investors and get those investors or a bank if they're trying to follow the traditional debt route. And that's just something we as Latinos don't do. You know, um, they don't teach us how to do those kinds of things. Uh, But there are networks building. I belong to the Stanford Latino Business Action Network, and they're an incubator. So they help me keep my business afloat and growing during the pandemic. But there are all kinds of organizations out there. I'm even working with Google and Meta and all kinds of other organizations that are putting resources out there to help Latino and African-American and female-owned breweries out there. Breweries, businesses, I should say. A little bit of both. (laughs) <laughs> no no so I'm i really excited i
0: really appreciate the fact that you're in that space and you're helping out the community because i mean and again from the perspective that i'm coming from you know um there's these programs out there for filmmakers but it's basically very condescending and like for example i entered a um you know a contest for you know a network that won't be named but it sounds like socks um and there was a <laughs> like a fake incubator thing. And they're like, we're going to, we're going to have you come out to North Carolina for a month and shadow a director on a TV show. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't need that. I just need you to put me in a room with somebody that can, that I can pitch my ideas to. They're like, no, but you have to come out and learn how to direct. And I was like, no, I've, I've directed two sag features. I've directed 12 short films that have gotten into festivals. I don't, I don't need you to tell me how to direct. I need you to say, there's this movie. Would you like to direct it? Come talk to us about it. What would you do with the script? You know, and and I think I feel that that comes from a place where, unfortunately, the art that I've that I've chosen that I'm passionate about is is one that is more catered to somebody that comes from an elite background, because uh, and now it's been a little bit more evened out because of camera equipment and stuff has gotten cheaper and and you're able to do stuff like that. But for the longest time, it's, you know, you hear all these stories about these affluent people that didn't really have to worry about making the next paycheck or paying rent. And all they had to worry about is their script because daddy was paying the bills. And then when they turned 25, they made this incredible movie. But it's also because they didn't have all these years of of colonialism and and pain and struggle and literally no money on top of them. So I'm proud of what we've accomplished with literally zero dollars and zero funding. Um, but I'm also not an up-and-coming filmmaker, which a lot of these newer programs are for. I'm I'm, I'm a 45-year-old filmmaker, so I get judged side-by-side with every other filmmaker there is. Sure. So there is this weird sort of area of there are these programs, but a lot of them seem like they're just trying to check boxes. Like, yes, we talk to 30 Latinos and we Sent five of them to shadow directors, and yay, we did our job. Inclusion, you know what I mean, and check the box. Check the box. So, so I do feel that, and I know John Laguzamo is doing some stuff, and Fanny Grande, and um, from, um, and then there's other organizations, um, other studios that are popping up here and there and I don't know if I'll be able to see the shade of those trees, but that's kind of the reason that I like being part of the festival and stuff like that, because I I would be just as happy if I can help younger filmmakers, younger Latino filmmakers come up and, 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 and get through those doors, you know, because I'm going to be keep making movies till the day I die. It's my art. It's what I love. Um, but but it is it is a struggle out there. So I'm glad that you're out there and that there's other people and that th- those resources are building up to sort of help more people rise all tides because they're out here all across multiple industries. You know, yeah. we're out here trying to tell our stories, trying to make our products, trying to start businesses.
1: Well, you know, I just... And I know Fanny from Avenida Productions. Mm-hmm. So you're pretty... Are you familiar with the whole crowdfunding, equity yeah. funding? Yeah, equity yeah, funding. It's not just... Donations, right? You can sell equity in your company or in the profits of your company. Um, I raised personally, I raised 200K to open up the LA brewery online. So the I personally believe and what gets me really excited is that I think there are ways of mobilizing and organizing Latino capital to create the businesses, the products, the films that we want made. You know, and I think you're, you know, you're a filmmaker, so, you know, the power of uh, persuasion that movies and uh, video content can do, I I think. And I think Fanny and and her husband uh, are doing some incredible work trying to pioneer that business model specifically to challenge what you just talked about, the lack of access and equity. I mean... uh, What's what is that? James Franco's gonna play Fidel Castro now? Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, what does a Latino gotta do to get a catch a break, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, I'm a listen, I'm a, I'm a little two faced about that because I was pissed about Franco, but I'm hundred percent okay with Anna Diarmas playing Marilyn Monroe. So you know that's yeah.
1: true. It <laughs> can so go true. a little way, it can, can go, go the opposite a little, way a little while before way. it gets
0: equal. It's an overcorrection. It's an overcorrection. All right. Um um, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, and I think that's, that's kind of the avenue that will go down when we start, you know, like I said, we've been sort of dormant for the last couple of years. Um, but that's the avenue that we will go down for, um, for when we start funding for our next projects is, you know, equity and trying to sort of, you know, that's what I've been trying to do the last couple of years is build connections, have interesting conversations, learn from people about different aspects of business. That's why I'm very happy to learn, you know, about, startups and, and sort of get some insight from people like yourself that are more learned in that space. Um, because I feel like, you know, that, that, that there is a possibility. And I feel that our company has the track record of having been able to do so much with so little that if we say, Hey, I need 50,000 to make a feature film, that's, that's, a, that's, that's it's going to have a mostly Latino cast that I think I should be able to reach that, you know?
1: Yeah. I, I think you could, I don't, I think a hundred thousand, two hundred fifty thousand. 250,000, It just comes back to how great is the idea or the concept or the proposal and how many faces, ears, eyes can you get it in front of? Yeah, Um,
0: I've always said, get me in a room. Cause I, I said, yeah. I'll get
1: in there. I'll, I'll sell something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, we are talking live with uh, David Favela from border X brewery, uh, Mujeres Brewhouse. Um, he's also st- starting up um, working with organizations here locally that will help uh, San Diego small businesses get on their feet, get on the right path to funding, um, which I think is an incredibly important uh job it's it's a it's a definitely a, a labor of love that we're doing um when did you start getting into the 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 event space uh for for border x what was that was that just kind of like uh we have the space we have let's start getting some events here i know you guys have the loteria nights you started having co- uh concerts or little events here
1: and there well um we started from the very beginning our grand opening was on like november 2nd dia de los muertos so You know, we had artwork, we had some, we knew that culture was always going to play a part of expressing ourselves. But, you know, honestly, where I would love to take our events and what I'm trying to push is, um, I'm trying to create a space for our culture to thrive and define itself from an identity perspective. And I know that's pretty lofty, but if you look at any major social movement, they all have physical locations where they coalesced and came together, whether it was the French Revolution and the cafes with all the intellectuals talking about, you know, what they wanted to do with their government to CBGBs in New York City. Well, you are probably familiar with, yeah, I've been there. which is one of the cradles of the punk rock movement. There's a physical location where people come together with similar ideas and values and reinforce each other. And create a vibe and an energy that begins to coalesce and kind of reverberate out, you know, from a cultural pop culture perspective. And in my wildest dreams, I would love Border X to be a space like that where we can support uh, musicians, where we can support, you know, artists, where we can support um, all of these people who are cultural uh What's the right word? They're, they're, they're working with the culture. They're trying to redefine what does it even mean to be where we started our conversation, Latino. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? You know, what right. parts do we keep? What parts do we get rid of? What parts do we add to ourselves? Like and a tastemakers
0: almost or like uh, I want say no influencer. Yeah. Oh, okay. The way do we dress,
1: think- the way we talk, what we like. All you- those things are, I think, the beginnings of a cultural wave.
0: Do you think that's still a physical space or do you think in some ways that's moved into like a virtual sort of online realm?
1: I think the online realm is absolutely very effective in helping throw out proposals of being Latino means dressing like this or acting like that. But at the end of the day, I still think real life is real life. And engaging with people who are from the same perspective just reinforces, I think, that Uh, that community or sense of identity. And maybe I'm just being a little too lofty, you know, in my thought process, or maybe I'm too early. But look, I'm telling you, those 60% of those young people coming up through the education system, they will define culture. They will define music. They'll define entertainment. They will have a biggest impact on our society in the next 10, 15 years. I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree.
0: Well, D- David, I wanted to touch on a couple of little things before we let you go. Um, sure. The NFL put out this logo with the <laughs> Por la Cultura, where they added the Enya to the N. Uh, and they, they literally said the shield integrates the unmistakable Latin flavor. <sighs> um, so, how do you feel about the pandering that goes on during Hispanic era? Air- it's awful. It?
1: It's awful. <laughs> you know, in the brewing industry, the whole infatuation with a uh, Mexican lager. Yeah, I can't stand it. There is no such thing as a Mexican lager. It's just what we grew up drinking with in, in Mexico, but it's there's no Mexico cultural content in that beer. And there are even breweries now that are catering to Latinos. I won't be named just not to be a hater. But their tagline is the original Mexican American beer. <sighs> And they are owned by a billionaire, white billionaire from Newport Beach, and almost everyone in the management structure is not Latino. And it's I don't, just I don't like, believe it. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll send you the the yeah. info separately because I just don't like being a hater in that way. No, but fine. I look at that. What's that? No, that's yeah, that's fine. That's fine. We'll keep it. Yeah, sure. and it's just it's like, oh come on, stay in your own lane. We have so little. That when people try to appropriate our culture and our identity and our, you know, it, it doesn't feel like they're honoring us. It just feels like they're trying to figure out how to take more money out of our pocket. Uh DC
0: comics blundered by adding tamales and platanos fritos to some of the DC <laughs> comic covers. Uh Basically bringing us down to tacos as yeah. the, as the, as the, and I mean, my company's called 2 a.m. burrito, but that's because it's a San Diego thing. And i and I really wanted our company to be like a San Diego thing. And if you're in New York, you get a slice of pizza, a hot dog. If you're in TJ, you get tacos or bacon wrapped hot dogs. If you're in San Diego at two in the morning,
1: you yeah. get a burrito.
0: But I don't but I think that the culture is more than than our food. Um, so the fact Absolutely. that they changed they changed this epic to, to a guy with a bag of tamales was again a bit of a misstep.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah.
0: And also, uh, well, this was a funny one, but uh oh, no, Barbie Dia de los Muertos is back <laughs> and she's not alone.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, I'm on the fence with some of that stuff. There is a fine line between pandering and and being a powerful reinforcer of identity. Right. Um, I was watching a video or even like that. I think there are so much that looks so weird, but. Yeah. You know there was this video of these young African American girls seeing the first black mermaid. The mermaid yeah
0: that yeah that video, absolutely. And I got to
1: be honest, those little girls lost their minds. They were just like, "Mom, the mermaid's black like me." Yeah. And right. and and you know what, you know, so is that pandering or is that really a positive beautiful thing? Yeah, it's a
0: positive, beautiful thing because ninety nine percent of Disney movies are Lily White, and and this yeah. is something that doesn't exist. It's not based on a real life character. It's 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 nothing. It doesn't cost them anything to let those people. It doesn't cost them anything to let those little girls have that, and people are so mad about it, and it, and it, and that's just that's just dumb. Uh, this one I just thought was funny. Oh, sorry, go ahead, David. I didn't want to cut you off.
1: No, no, no. Go ahead.
0: No, I thought this one was funny for Latino hair as Much watches blood in, blood out once. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: hilarious. Um no, but I absolutely um agree with you that 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 look, I always tell this story when I was a kid in the 80s growing up. Uh my name is Martinez and there was always this commercial on TV and it was about I don't know what it was, but I was like, "Ah, me tratas como un Martinez cualquiera." And I was like cuz you know, Luis Martinez is like basically the Kevin Smith of of, you know, you know what I mean? Like yep. just like a common Latino name. And I remember very vividly watching um, my TV and seeing L.A. Law come on. And I just remember very vividly that the actor A. Martinez was on L.A. Law. And I think I have a chance to have him on the pod at some point. But I remember that it was CBS or NBC or whatever. But I know it was American television. And I saw on the screen A. Martinez. And I was a little kid, it was like 1980 something, and I just remember that meant something to me. And I wasn't even seeing myself on screen, I was just seeing my last name on an American TV show. And and it had to mean something because I remember that to this day. So just seeing my own name on the screen and thinking it's a possibility that someday my name could be. And then when I first when I did my first full feature. And it's and I was at the San Diego Latino Film Festival and it said written and directed by Luis Martinez. And I was just like, fuck, you know, like I am a director, you know, so full <laughs> that that is important to me. And also. Full circle again, in 1997, I came out to visit my mom in San Diego. I had graduated high school in New York. We went to see a movie at Fashion Valley. Fifteen, 17 years later. I saw my own movie with my mom at the same theater in Fashion Valley. So it's that was a big full radical. circle. Which is to say, these little black girls seeing themselves represented and, you know, little Spanish girls seeing themselves represented and stuff and little brown and black boys seeing themselves is an important thing. And it is nothing compared with the vast, vast majority of white based cinema and tv that has been produced for literally since the start of cinema where we couldn't play ourselves indigenous people couldn't play themselves so yes there will be some overcorrection to what has been 99 percent of the history of cinema and you're just gonna have to get over that shit
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a, it takes a little bit of effort when i saw some i don't know colonial uh Or in England, royalty, you know, African-American princes and prince it's kind of like, come on, you know, there's so many beautiful stories to tell from the African-American perspective that, like you said, the overcorrection does happen, you know, and that part, you know, even with the positive role modeling, I just I can't even see beyond it. And it's as a hard.
0: filmmaker, I, and as a film, and this is weird for me because as a filmmaker, I believe everybody should be able to cast whoever they want in their movie for whatever reason. Um, and so, I, because it's your art, but I just feel that people should really think about the process to make sure they feel clean about it because, because I think that's important.
1: And I'd just rather see original stories about us and our culture. I mean, I'm still waiting, and it's incredible that Mel Gibson, of all people, would make probably the one of the most historically accurate pretty badass movies of all time with, uh, what was that called, Apocalypse?
0: Apocalyptico. Apocalyptico. Yeah, one of the and best I, chase movies of all time.
1: Oh, phenomenal. I, I still watch it and it's fresh, you know, what is it, 10, 15 years later? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'm still waiting to see some directors, Latino directors, really explore the incredible, you know, pre, uh, pre-Columbian pre history of Mexico and South America, of even the the interaction between uh, the, the Spaniards, and indigenous uh, tribes. I mean, there's just so many incredible stories and and scenarios. I mean, the temples weren't gray. They were covered with white and colorful, you know, designs. No one's ever done it justice, to be honest.
0: No, absolutely. If you watch, um, I, I got to watch this at the festival a couple of years ago, but there's a documentary called 499, mm. which... It talks about the 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 last five hundred years of colonialism in Mexico and um and and it really sort of juxtaposes sort of and really brings to bear like the effects of that colonialism over five hundred years into Mexico today and a lot of the issues and you don't really realize and I've had people come on to talk about colonialism and the fact that we don't really know when it's affecting us sometimes because it is so ingrained it is so deep into our culture. Um, and that has been affecting us for so long that sometimes we're not even aware of, of yeah. that we are being led by it.
1: Absolutely. Right. It's we'll insidious, it- it's integrated, <laughs> it's just there.
0: All right, we're getting a little militant here with David from Vorderex Brewing, but hey, hey, what's up? You know, me hint this show. We have to we have to do it the right way. Why not? Why not? <laughs> White people have all tuned out. I'm just kidding. We have a, yeah. a, a wide, vast audience. Thank you, everybody that's listening. Thank you, everybody that's tuned in. I see people coming in and out. Uh thank you for everybody that's watched and supported us. Uh we are we do We we'll do one other thing with our guest every Uh, every show david um can you let us know just um is there is there a link or is there somewhere where people can can sort of find out more about this entrepreneur program and and the the startup program if they have an idea that they want to help germinate or is there uh, are there applications or how does that happen
1: yep Uh, great question thank you for asking just google ucsd talent foundry and it'll be the first hit And there will be an intake form on there. It's very short name, phone number, email, just a little bit of a narrative of where where you're at, what you're about. And we will follow up on every message that's sent to us. We are aggressively looking to identify 100 of the most promising companies, startups to work with.
0: Got it. 100 companies. That's good. That's ambitious. I like it. It is.
1: If I can help more, I would, but I think it's going to be kind of intense. Yeah,
0: 100, yeah, 100 people. Yeah. I'm glad the brewery's on autopilot, if that's the case. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I'm not the only one. So we're building no. the team, and there'll be a few more of us. So, uh, and And, you know, the real cool thing is this isn't an in and out. It's not like we take your hand for two weeks, and then we cut you loose and wish you the best. I am going to be their business advisor for until they get their funding. And until they begin scaling and they can still come back as alumni and be friends, but, you know, then we got to work with the next person that's going to replace their spot.
0: Oh, absolutely, man. You're doing, you're doing great work out there. I do appreciate you taking the time. Um, I hope that is okay for me to pick your brain moving forward on some of the stuff that we'll be doing. Uh, as I said, you know, I totally respect what you're doing in the community. Um, we are a small company and we could always use advice and help uh, on how to kind of take the next steps out there to when we start getting more serious. Well, when we start the process of the new projects and stuff like that, I'd love to be able to reach out and 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 hit you up about stuff like that.
1: Absolutely. I'd be more than happy to. Absolutely. And, and you know, the thing is to remember, we're doing everything from biotech and life sciences all the way to the most humble business you can imagine and um you know small startups um i i wanted to make sure i can tackle the big really complex technology stuff all the way to doña maria making tamales out of her certified kitchen in southeast san diego you know i think there's a lot of learnings and support that we can put together
0: or my idea of the 2am burrito truck which stands outside bars and sells burritos at two in the morning, you know? <laughs> but the thing is that they're gourmet burritos, David. That's they're gourmet. The bur- yeah, it's like potatoes and stuff. Skin. All right. No, that's old business. You use truffles, yeah. right? Yeah, truffles. <laughs> I mean, like a mac and cheese burrito, you know, like a lot of like cool stuff like that. You know, fancy burritos at two in the morning. That was that's my that's my long-term goal right there. All right. Well, we have been chatting with David Favela from Border X, who had his brew house. Um, uh, and again, the, uh, the the startup program that he just spoke about—he's uh, doing a lot of great stuff in the community. Go have a beer at Border X. Go check out Mujeres. Check out the information for the um, for the startup program that he's doing here. We're looking for a hundred companies. Um, I know Sophia said we should do a live show at one of your breweries at some point coming up. Perhaps that's something that we might be able to do. Absolutely. Get a little- Get 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 some guests at there a live show from the brew house or something that might be cool. Yeah, Uh, that that was that was her that was her suggestion. Uh, Hopefully she um, well maybe it was my suggestion. I'm just saying it's hers. No, she she had the idea. yeah, we should do a, a live show from there sometime. I said yeah, eventually we should. All right, and I said I have one more thing that I like to do with our guest David, and that is something that we like to call the bracket bit.
2: All right, boys know what that sound means. time for
0: Bracket Bits.
2: Bracket Bits. Bracket Woo,
1: woo, woo, woo. Bracket Bits. Bracket Bits. Woo, 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 chat.
0: That's right David it is time for bracket bit is the end of the interview which means I can relax I can light up because I don't have to be on point anymore because I don't have to focus and we can start the process of the bracket bit. The bracket bit is created to cause maximum pain. You are a founder and you are involved with startups and you are involved with beer. So yes. what I have chosen this for your bracket bit is going to be beers versus startups. I'm going to oh give you a, I'm going to give you a famous startup and a famous beer, and you're going to tell me which one moves on to the next round. Now, you are you can say which of these are, is more disruptive, which one of these is more of your favorite, which one you wish you would have founded or you would have brewed. You can use whatever methodology you want. I just ask that you try to use the same methodology through the entire bracket. Are you ready? Let's do it. One of the originals, Airbnb or Budweiser? Airbnb. Airbnb moves on Heineken or Snapchat.
1: Ah, that's hard. Uh, Heineken. And if you
0: want to, if you want to expand on any of these, like how you think they're, they're cool, disruptive, or horrible, you can always expand. That's why we didn't really talk about much. of Yeah, yeah,
1: thing. absolutely. So uh, Heineken staying power, been to their brewery in Amsterdam. Uh, it, it's pretty amazing place. Snapchat here and gone.
0: Here and gone. They, 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 they had a moment in the sun and they were gone. Uh Guinness or
1: SpaceX. Damn. Well, Guinness is is hardcore, but SpaceX, <laughs> you ever see one of those rockets land back on, on Earth? That's amazing. So SpaceX.
0: SpaceX going with the boy Elon on this one yeah. versus the horrible, horrible Guinness beer. Uh
1: <laughs>
0: I'm sorry. I am an I, I am a rolling rock pale ale type of guy i don't like the thick and i don't like ipas
1: yeah yeah no worries we got a beer for you yeah no yeah yeah yeah.
0: you oh there is a beer for me (laughs)
1: all right we got pinterest
0: and corona
1: corona sucks pinterest
0: (laughs) you're not a corona you're not a corona guy
1: god no that reminds me of spring break during college that was the last corona i had
0: all right oh Um, what is it uh vin diesel would be (laughs) <laughs> from from Fast and the Furious <laughs> would be mad at you. All right. Net, Netflix, um, Blockbuster de- declined the offer to buy Netflix for like nine million dollars a long time ago and 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 it cost them that. Or this this is a beer I like, Blue Moon.
1: I mean, the beer is okay, but Netflix is just their monster, you know. Moved into streaming, they successfully transitioned different technology phases. Absolutely, Netflix.
0: And in an essence, everything's going full circle because the, the 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 theory is that now Netflix is gonna go back to a weekly model on some of their shows as opposed to a binge model.
1: So oh, really
0: it's funny <laughs> that, that they, they they were the disruptors, but now they're like everything that is old will be new again, right? Yep. All right, Angry Birds, they had like eighteen different versions
1: of their app before it actually blew up,
0: or Fosters, Australian for beer. Be
1: honest, I don't like any of those two. <laughs> But I guess uh, someone's got to move forward. So I'd say Angry Birds. Right. Sculpin and IPAs in general or Uber? Uber. So I'm sensing definitely a technology bias here.
0: All right. Uh, MailChimp or Sierra Nevada?
1: Mer- wait, 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 wait. What happened? Oh, there it is. here. Sierra-, Sierra Nevada. Are you kidding me? I went to Chico State. That's Ooh. the homeless here in Nevada. They're OG. Sierra Nevada. WhatsApp, preferred by drug dealers
0: everywhere, or Sapporo.
1: I don't get WhatsApp. I'll go Sapporo.
0: It's all about the encryption, I guess, really. It's you I know, guess. It's the fact that they can auto-delete your messages is basically the main thing for that, you know. So you don't mm. have to worry about it. Um Instagram or one of my favorite beers locally, AleSmith 394.
1: I've had AleSmith 394. It's a good solid beer, but nothing out of the ordinary. I'd say Instagram.
0: Instagram. What's the uh, what's the equivalent for you for, for Bordero or Mujeres? well or like, that what's beer? A, what, or like a pale. I mean, I'm a pale ale guy, so.
1: Probably our Santos. That's an amber ale. It's pretty close. I actually just had it today. Very, very delicious.
0: Got it. And we go with Tecate or LinkedIn. Oh,
1: damn. I'm going to have to pull up my Raza card. Tecate.
0: Tecate. Negra Modelo or Facebook. facebook all right they're a monster square now used by hustlers everywhere when you say i don't have any cash it's okay brother i got the i got the square here you can (laughs) i got you
1: covered i guess we run our whole business off of square it's incredible i'm i'm all for it
0: or rolling
1: rock nope never had rolling rock never wanted to
0: Latro PA 33, come on, give yourself a chance. It's the best cheap beer out there, as far as as right. Uh, Twitter or what my friend calls the best morning beer, Coors Light.
1: Two things I never liked. Uh, I think I started drinking with Coors Light. I have Twitter, never use it. Coors Light.
0: Coors Light. Tweet. I mean, honestly, I, and I know that 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 for some reason I think that San Diego is more of an Instagram, Facebook city than than Twitter, but. Yeah. I've gotten, I've made so many connections. Uh, like for example, um, we, we actually, the, you got name dropped on a previous show. I sent you the clip. Yep. The homie from LA, big brown dad. He he's doing uh with Norwalk Brewery. Um, I met him. I've met uh, movie reviewers. I've had met tons of guests. I got to have um, an actor from the wire, uh, uh, the center for the jets, all of the people I've wow. met tons of, all through Twitter. So really? I, I, I think there's a, I think that they're, is an underuse. I'm even running the Twitter account for the San Diego Film Festival um because I, I think that it's something that specifically Latinos are underusing, you know, in yeah. my in my opinion. So I would I would I would I would I would give it a second look because there's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of cool people to connect with and, and I found a lot of community through there. And um, it's fast.
1: That's how I found it, out Coolio died. Yeah yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Pa- Pandora or Dos Equis. Holy shit, I stopped listening to Pandora years ago. Dos X. <laughs> fat Tire or Doordash? Uh
0: fat tire. Fat tire. Uh are you are you a fan of those like super strong, powerful beers?
1: Uh, uh, you know, it depends on my mood. Um my go to beer is Pepino Sour. It's crisp, refreshing, crushable. Sometimes I'll get a nice IPA. Uh, if I'm having food like I had today, the Santos Amber Ale was on point. Just really depends. And you know, during winter when it's nice and cold, getting a big Abuelitas chocolate stout, maybe you know, putting a little brandy in it or something, you know. There you go. <laughs> when
0: you when you were talking earlier about possibly canning, do you are you are you gonna do some tall boys or some six packs? What do you or do you some maybe like bottles or do you, or do you you're not sure yet?
1: Well, we're canning now. I bought a canning line uh beginning of the year and we've been canning not huge volume because when you talk about distribution it's like on a whole nother level but we do can and uh, they're uh 16 outs so um yeah so no we want to make like huge volumes you've got to really to go big you got to go big you got to make gotta, it work you got to yeah. get after it all right moving right along
0: we got airbnb
1: or heineken airbnb i just love it I hate the negative social consequences, but I also love renting a place and staying there, you know, like watching DC. Yeah. Yeah. It, it,
0: it, I think that, I think that like anything, when it becomes over commercialized, that issues start to pop up because when everybody sees the, sees that there's profit in Airbnb, then you have all these corporations that are buying up properties all over different neighborhoods. And then the rents goes up because, spaces become less available and then these houses just sit there empty except for the one guy that shows up for you know so so it is kind of like a mix so i think it's moved to the to the it's moved so far over that now you're like hey maybe a hotel will actually be cheaper and (laughs) stuff like that you know
1: it's true it's true
0: everything that is old (laughs) will be new again um spacex or pinterest
1: uh spacex Pinterest will be gone soon spacex is like whoa that'll change the future
0: uh, were you nerding out on the NASA
1: asteroid hit the other day? Or... You know, I missed the whole thing. I saw excerpts of it, but I didn't follow it too closely.
0: They spent like $300 million on a test uh, because they wanted to see if they could knock an, an asteroid off its course. It was a yeah. success. They, they somehow aimed it from here, 70,000 miles away, and they hit it. But I think this means that there's absolutely a giant asteroid heading our way and they're just not telling us about it. So Probably
1: foreshadowing.
0: Uh, you said Netflix, right? Yes, sir. Okay, because I, you know, I know you didn't like Angry Birds. Okay, Uber or Sierra Nevada? Sierra Nevada for
1: the win. Sapporo or Instagram? Instagram. They're still fucking dominant.
0: What's the best non-Japanese beer to drink with sushi?
1: Non-Japanese. That's a tough one. I always do Sapporo or Asahi. Singha. Well, that's Thai. That's a Thai beer. So
0: you think it's got to be an Asian beer? You think? I think
1: so. It's just lighter, crisper. They use rice in making those beers. they just, they hit different. Hmm. Cool. Or else you'd have to go with a lighter beer, American beer, and I'd hate to say it, like a, a Coors or something. <laughs> a high... Ah,
0: the correct answer was Miller High Life.
1: Okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you don't got Sapporo? What happened? Okay, Tecate or Facebook? OG Tecate for the win. Yeah, they uh, they're there. I've been to their factory; it's pretty cool.
0: Square or Coors Light? Oh, Square without a doubt.
1: Dos Equis or Fat Tire? Fat Tire without a doubt. Fat Tire or Square? square did you know they do business loans no like I applied and got a big chunk of change and they just take it out of your your payout it was incredible super fast super convenient anyways square square yeah. uh, um how do you uh,
0: have you ever been involved with or are you um you, these programs that are mostly for like um, African nations or South American nations where they do the ultra micro loans for, oh yeah yeah.
1: Yeah, that's what got me into economic development was in India. They were doing it's called the Grameen Bank, and they were really uh, doing really exciting loan programs, you know, microloans. They pioneered that whole microloan concept. So when I was at Princeton, that was a big deal back then.
0: Oh, you were in Princeton. Nice.
1: Yeah. East Coast. <laughs> New Jersey, New Jersey, cheese steaks, I, sandwiches. That would I, that would win this whole category. <laughs> no, no. What
0: uh, were you? Uh, were you a Geno's guy, or, or were, what, what was your what was your go to? Oh No, we
1: went to a little hole in the wall near campus. I don't. Okay. I never made it to the big. I, I did once, I guess, but I don't even remember it okay. that well. I must have been drunk.
0: I mean, yeah, if you, you you had to, it's mandatory if you go to Philly. You gotta you gotta go pick one. You gotta go make your decision. You gotta join team A or Team B. All yeah. right, we got Instagram or Tecate. Uh Instagram. And now we have Netflix or Sierra Nevada.
1: Sierra Nevada.
0: Airbnb Ooh. or SpaceX. You like both of these.
1: I like both of them. Um as still go with SpaceX, I think uh what they're doing is transcendental. For the love, for humanity. For humanity, for the future of our race.
0: I mean, the sun's going to explode in a few million years. We need to start planning now. Got to. Got to. All right. SpaceX or or, or tugging at your heartstrings, Sierra Nevada.
1: <sighs> SpaceX, same Space. thing. Just It's going to have a bigger impact on society and everything.
0: All right. For the beer guy, three out of the four were startups at the final four. Just so, I just so you, know. Know. so you did have a you did have a startup bias. I or did. Maybe I, maybe I should have picked better beers, but you know, either way, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Instagram or Square, Square, and finally SpaceX or Square.
1: You know what? I'm gonna go with Square just because of the impact they're gonna have on people immediately. Maybe SpaceX will impact us all, you know, 10, 20 years in the future. But Square is making a difference right now. And I'm not paid by them. I don't have any vested yeah. interests. I use them, and they're enabling all kinds of great things for, for us.
0: Squarespace takes the beers versus startup bracket. I always ask, um, what, was the, what was the biggest omission on either side that you think that you were expecting to, to, to see, either a startup or a beer?
1: Biggest omission? Yeah. Um... Hmm. I don't know. I didn't see any, uh, stone brewing beers on there. Yeah. yeah. It's a big home, uh, home game advantage. I That's do true. drink their delicious IPA. I do love that one. It is delicious. And as far as the startup, um, no, I think you got the big ones. Those are the ones making a difference right now. I
0: have, um, I've never been a huge drinker, uh, just period. But I do like, a. I do, I do like an occasional beer, but I have not, developed a good palate yeah so so when i find so so when i find a beer that 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 i like that i can order that's why i'm like i default to like the ale smith when i am out at places because i'm like i had it i enjoyed it it's usually available at different places and i don't have to think too hard i that's why i go with or like the stuff that i know or when i found the 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 Hamica beer at your place that's what i always get there so it's i got i i I am trying to learn more about about beer and increase my
1: my palate. Here's one for you. You did omit uh, Duet from Alpine Brewing. It's widely considered like one of the most exclusive, delicious IPAs. I mean, they went out and sourced New Zealand hops called Nelson Hops. Okay. And the flavor profile it imparts is juicy, you know, pineapple, orange. I mean, very, very delicious. Duet
0: excellent well mr favela again uh a pleasure to have had a chance to talk to you finally for an extended amount of time um we uh, learned a lot about your your past your upbringing um we didn't talk about your college years, although I'm sure there's a whole bunch of other stories there. We probably <laughs> glossed over because, hey, East Coast. Um, but um, but thank you for coming on. Uh, we look forward to to knowing more about your your projects and stuff upcoming. I'll be part I'll be part of the festival selection committee with you, so I'll, hopefully we'll be able to spend some time. And I look forward to being able to talk to you about future projects coming up as well.
1: Likewise, thank you so much for inviting me to your program. I love your intros, by the way. They're, they're phenomenal. <laughs> Um and can't uh, uh, wish you the best that uh, let's talk more about how to move forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you heard it here first, folks. a live show They at some point in the future. we got to f- figure out a good event, maybe like our hundredth episode or something. We'll come down and, and and hang out and we'll get like a whole event going around there uh, for yes. the community in the barrier, right? Excellent. right on. David, thank you, man. Uh, I will keep in touch. You have a good rest of your evening. Peace out. I will see you. Take care. All right. That was David Favela, founder Border X Brewing in um, Barrio Logan. They have three breweries, two in San Diego, one in L.A. Also, they have Mujeres Brewhouse as well here in San Diego. Uh, and he is now part of a startup project with uh Here in San Diego, where they're looking for 100 businesses to help them start on the ground. Um, And I'll be live for a little bit. Sophia said she might be stopping by after she comes off, uh, comes back. So shout out to Sophia. She's listening. I'm going to take a short break, and then we'll come back, uh, jump into some tabs, and we'll do more. Me, hint, this show. Right after this uh there was somebody at some point oh there she is only two hours and 15 minutes late
2: <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry oh you know as my little picture it's my little doggo i had to take her to the vet <laughs> did you tell everybody how to go
0: I did tell, I did, no, yeah, I, I, I opened up, I told everybody that uh, we were sending positive thoughts, Cookie's way, mm. as uh, she's getting old. Yeah.
2: She's getting, yes.
0: She's 14, right?
2: 14, yeah. She had to um, stay overnight, so.
0: Okay. Uh, there, I loved there. it, yeah. Yeah, you give me an update after. Um, yeah. No, I was just uh, killing a little bit of time with some of these uh topical... Ana
2: de Armas? Uh-huh. <laughs>
0: No, Rosa's Review of Blonde, which was, um, it was the, um, a story about the exploitation of Marilyn Monroe, um, told by exploiting Anna de Armas. Uh, And I tried to, I was just telling everybody, I tried to watch it, and I got about halfway through, and it is just like, and you know how much I love Anna de Armas. She's like number one for me. I mean, she was like what Wynora Ryder was to me in the 90s, or uh, you know, there's always, there's always one, there's always the one that's in, that's in the lead, you know, that's always your top person, you know? Yeah. Uh, so even for somebody who loves her as much as I do, and she, her performance is incredible, but the situations that they put her in and, and just like the, um, it just, it's so, it's just very cringy and it's very like male gazy and it's very like. It is weird, man. It's weird what they went with. And then this thread that I was watching, um, and I'll save it for us. But it's basically uh, debunking a lot of the things from the movie, um, and stuff like that. As in, like
2: like inaccuracies, or?
0: Well, it's based on a fictionalized novel, but then the and there's uh, we can get into it next week. But there's like a a bunch of stuff in there, like um, like they just made it seem like she was just like never happy and um, they said that her mom tried to drown her. They filmed like the suicide scene in the same room where she died.
2: Oh like- my god. <coughs> so, that is cringe. No.
0: There's like there's like some abortion scenes. There's like a we're hearing like the baby's voice. It's just there's some weird choices. She's calling all the guys in her life daddy and it's just very like
2: Oh, no, no, no.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so it,
2: the worst choices were made then.
0: No, yeah. It's, oh, God. And, and it's like, it's supposed to be like titillating and it's supposed to be like the NC-17 Marilyn Monroe. But then you're like, oh, God, I don't want to, I don't want to feel titillated about these situations, you know? It it yeah. if, 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 if feels like, oh, it feels like a movie that, that like, if it would have been like in the 90s, you'd be like, oh, you know, it's like a hardcore movie. But today it just feels... It feels exploitative. It feels bad. Um, oh. So, I will. I was going to save this till. Uh, I'll save this for the next one. Uh, we watched the yeah the, the interview with David was incredible. Uh, he said uh, you can go back and watch it. Uh, we. Um,
2: That's awesome.
0: Yeah. The. Um, he said, "Yeah." He said, "We should we could do a live show there, like when we have like a like a big episode or something." Yes,
2: so. absolutely, that would be amazing. I'm so sad I missed it. I wanted to talk to him and meet him and everything.
0: Well, you should go back to watch because we talked a lot about. uh oh, the company and stuff like that. Um, so I'll save this for next week. Uh, then there was oh yeah, we watched the this uh, the Laura Trump video here. That was the last thing that I was doing, which is she posted a video of her son like crying into Hurricane. What the fuck? <laughs> Just like, oh look, I'm crying. Oh, yeah. Said was oh. Like, yeah. But then she also had posted this video of herself relaxing with like her baby, like
2: Oh my God. Jeez.
0: Her her baby's crying next to her as she's having a, a, a bottle a glass of, wine of wine.
2: Who is with this? Laura Trump. Laura Trump. And what yeah. it what is the what is she to, to Trump Trump?
0: I don't know. I think she's like a sister or she's a cousin or something. She's a Trump. So she has to be Ew. something, you know? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So that was, she was kind of gross. Uh, yeah, that's good. Uh, and then this, okay. <laughs> this, did you hear this when I was, before you got on? No, this is, uh I already did this, but in 1400, there was a, a, a guy got killed and his dog saw it. And his dog went back into town, got somebody, went back to where he buried the body. And then every time he would see that guy, he would just, it would just be on site and he would start mm-hmm. trying to attack him. Oh so they had, so they had arranged a con, uh, a trial by con, by uh, a Combat. duel, a duel, yes, yeah. a, a dog and a guy had a duel. The guy had a spear and then the dog uh, chomped his teeth around his throat and couldn't be shaken off. And then the dude said he would confess if they would to pull the, di- the dog off. So then since he confessed, they hanged him.
2: <gasps> oh, my God. Is this serious? This yeah. can't be serious.
0: This is 1400. A dog of a murdered man dueled a man and accused of being the murderer.
2: Fuck yeah. My dogs would never. Would you, honey? Would you do that? <laughs>
0: How are they <laughs> reacting to to cooking up being Road? Are they? Uh,
2: yeah, yeah, they're acting <clears> a little <throat> weird. Um, well, honey, because I I came in with the the towel that I had wrapped her in, mm-hmm. and when I came in and like dropped it down, she was kind of like looking for her, like where's she, where'd she go? Where is she? And she sniffed the towel and she just like ran out and was like, where the fuck is she? <laughs> and then she came back all tripping out. But now it seems like they're you know a lot of people calmer. don't know a lot of
0: no. So we found out that this girl's in Japan, so we're moving there. <sighs>
2: Yeah, <laughs> I need to see. I'm gonna need to rewatch that. I tuned in right when this is happening, but like, yeah, this
0: is, this is a, yeah. There's uh there's hot latinas in Japan now, so so we're, oh we got we got We should we should go explore those avenues.
2: That sounds amazing. Let's do it. Yes, let, let's, <laughs> I'm yeah. very single.
0: Let's let's do that. Yes. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> All right. Shall we
2: get into the nonames ways?
0: Yes. Let me How many down. do we have today? Just two. Okay. Oh, here, I was going to, I'll share this with you. Um, there's a uh, Mana de San Diego, I'll send this to you, but a uh, Latina-Friendly Workplace nomination form. So if anybody has a nominee of a company that is providing a Latina-Friendly Workplace environment, I'm going to put the the link in our comment section. Uh, you can nominate them for an award or something, or some oh, recognition.
2: Awesome.
0: Yeah, so mm-hmm. that was going to be our, I'll, I'll also save that for next week, but i also save uh, it up.
2: Casa del Taco. <laughs> all you, all
0: yeah. you got to do, do is submit. Um, yeah, all right. Yeah. So we have two responses to No name's Way today. Yeah. <coughs> all right. And uh, let me get my... Uh, let me get our logo.
2: Here. Yeah. Now it's time for... No Way. No way. way.
0: No name's. All right. Today's first question comes to us from... Hold on a second here. All right, M- Memory Saver. Memory huh. Saver writes. <clears throat> Let me just get a little sip of water here before I.
2: Yeah. Get into it. <sighs> no a little under the weather. Yeah. How are you feeling? Actually, you're a little. You sound a little sniffly. Yeah,
0: I'm just a little stuffed up. It's um, just it's been like congested and mocoso all day so i've stopped fighting it because every time i i i I blow my nose more is there so i'm just like yeah
2: hey but iron maiden must have been
1: worth it
0: yeah it was we were talking about that before it was a bucket list item i've been a fan since i was a little kid and so getting to see them was like fucking amazing
2: all right looked amazing
0: Here we go. Uh, I recently moved in with my longtime girlfriend into a new apartment. She was living with roommates, and I was living in a studio alone. And some compromises had to be made about which of our personal items we could keep displayed, Mm -hmm. which we should throw away, and which we would put in our small storage area that came with the apartment. Mm. I have some silly things from my youth, like a spelling bee trophy from the fourth through sixth grade, and some class pictures that I have on my shelves since I moved around a lot as a kid. This was a fun time. I always like to have it up. Hmm. I started to put them up and my girlfriend was like, wait, you're not putting that up, are you? It's a shared space. Uh. It was cruel. I thought it was cruel of her to say that, but it's our shared space. She, however, has tons of old vinyl albums, which I have never, ever seen her use, but she demands we keep those in the living room because they're cool.
2: Hmm.
0: When I said this, she said, well, I might feel like playing them and I don't want them in storage. Well, bitch, I might like to recall my fun days before I met your toxic ass.
2: <laughs> it does not say that. Was that you?
0: No, no. I don't think they actually said that. But, yeah. but it does say that. Um, that's what he was thinking. That's what he was thinking. Um, I may have made a mistake. Any advice on shared spaces with my future ex? Oh. <laughs> oh God, he's really thinking I... this personally.
2: Did he really say my future ex?
0: Yeah. Any advice oh, on, on sharing space with my future ex?
2: Oh, fuck. fuck! that is hard. Um, well, first of all, I'd like to validate your feelings because that's, that's so messed up. I mean, if you have something that is of emotional value and yeah. then your loved one is just saying, wow, are you going to put that up? No, that is so yeah. messed up. I wouldn't do that. That's mean.
0: Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, I mean, as somebody with a lot of stuff, as you can see, just from the background of my shot, which been, what I have up in my background is probably a one eighteenth of the total amount of stuff like that that I have. Mm-hmm. So, I if I move in with a a future X or something at some point, I know that there would be uh, compromises that would need to be made, and I recognize that a bunch of the stuff I have might be superfluous or that doesn't have to be prominently displayed. Mm-hmm. but I, I like to rotate the stuff in my background and I have a lot of stuff that means stuff to me. So I don't know. I would be, I would feel attacked as well. Yeah. I think yeah. that her saying it's a shared space, but then wanting to keep her records out. I mean, is she too, is she too concerned about people coming over and cause that's a conversation starter. It's like, Hey, that's my fourth grade spelling bee trophy. What the fuck? It's funny. It's corny. It's like niche. Yeah. It's like, right
2: yeah I, I don't I truthfully don't know how how you would mediate this I think like because because like, here's the thing I, I think that a lot of girls when it comes to like the when they get their own place and they want to decorate it it's kind of like you want to make it as pretty and as like I don't know aesthetically pleasing as possible whether that's emotional items or not um but regardless, whatever your aesthetic is, I feel like if you're moving in with someone that you love, you need to make compromises as well. And it sounds like you're compromising everything and she's not, she's getting to keep her stuff because she thinks it's prettier. Maybe it is, but I, I don't know. I feel like it'd be good for you two to, to like count items, if that makes sense. So like, okay, she has her vinyls. I mean, it's that it's your turn, you get one thing. Mm-hmm. And then it's her turn again. She gets another thing. And then you get to agree upon where it will be but she can't straight up just tell you no and shut you down i feel like that's really messed up and it's not equal
0: yeah i agree i mean the only other thing i can see there is if they are like super like artsy like art artsy types or something and they just mm-hmm. like oh we just want like a minimalist space or a feng shui space or or you know what i mean like if you're yeah. going for a specific look in your house but those are usually couples that are on the same vibe yeah where they're like that the couple is a minimalist couple or they're a hippie couple or they're a hipster couple it seems like you and your girlfriend are probably a little bit different from each other so my compromise if i move in um If, you know, if I I move in with my current situation (laughs) or (laughs) my current future ex, it would be that that I would have that I would have my that I need an office. Mm -hmm. And I that's that would be my compromise. If you have like an office or if you have a den where it's your room where you can put up whatever the fuck you want, you know, and and that would be the the other compromise to if she's a freak or if you guys have a specific design type for the rest of your house. Yeah. You know. But if it's an apartment, you probably don't have that big of a space. So yeah, I think you do a draft. You say we each keep to keep five things out because we have a small space, and uh, you you know you each pick five things, and 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 you go about your day.
2: Yeah, you can either uh, share your decorative preferences in each space. So, you know, one item yours, one item hers, or you can do what Lou is saying. And even if you don't have a den or an office, a corner, a wall, yeah. like this is my wall. That yeah. is your wall. I this mean, is my corner, I'm et cetera. Pretty,
0: yeah. You could like make it a, I would make it like a, like a toilet paper holder in the bathroom or something. You know what I mean? Or put it on mm-hmm. the back of the toilet. If anything it's like, fuck you, I'm keeping my fucking spelling bee trophy up. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah.
2: What's I Yeah, I don't think that you're wrong at all to feel this way. I feel like you should send her this clip. And ma'am, please reconsider and be a better girlfriend because that's mean.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I think probably he's pretty confident that she doesn't listen or else she probably she would probably recognize it right away. Like,
2: what? Yeah. Right? Yeah, be. yeah, that's true. that's
0: true. Look, if you're not even listening to the same podcast, then there's already some issues there.
2: Right? <laughs> yeah, what are you yeah. doing? Yeah, you're wrong. dating the wrong person. <laughs> you're the wrong girl.
0: All right, all right, all right. Yeah. Uh, So, thank you for submitting. All right, uh, mm-hmm. let me see. Let me go back to the names here. The next one is uh, cute girl, cute me, horribly wrong. All right. Oh.
2: Oh. Okay.
0: All right. So. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. The question says I see the same girl at my local coffee place at lunchtime. I get coffee for my team midday, and she is always there with a coffee and a croissant. Ooh. One time we locked eyes, and I blurted out croissant time, huh?
2: <laughs> Great pickup line.
0: <laughs> she shrugged. I considered quitting and moving away in shame. Is there any way to fix a first impression that went horribly wrong? Any good ideas on what a good secondary opening line would be to fix it? Desperate. Huh? Mm. Uh,
2: That. Okay. Okay. Well, (laughs) that's so hard because she's a stranger. Mm-hmm. um yeah it's you,
0: like what, what's your opening line you see a girl with a croissant what's your yeah, opening line exactly I don't know. and
2: it's so it's so foreign to me because i i could have the biggest crush on this waitress or something i would never i wouldn't have the guts to like go up even say that even say croissant time huh <laughs> like i don't know
0: <laughs> croissant time
2: <laughs> i think you did great i think if she liked you <laughs> she would have probably been like charmed by it i yeah. don't know so <laughs> I would shoot your shot.
0: Croissants, am I right?
2: <laughs> yeah, <they're> right. <laughs> she works there, right? This girl, or she just goes there?
0: No, he says he sees her there with a the coffee and a croissant all the time. So I'm assuming she just, that's her spot.
2: My go-to that I have done before is a note. Mm. Um, and then you just leave be- mm. with your number because then you're giving them the option. I Okay, so girls hate when guys that we don't want come up to us and say, Hey, can I buy you a drink? Like an opener that forces us to be polite. Um, and then they think that we're hitting on them or something like that, or we're reciprocating. Just don't put her on the spot and don't ruin the spot for her. So what I would do is leave her a note, say, Hey, I think you're really pretty. Um, blah, 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 whatever, like something, you know, genuine should keep it short and give her your number. Like, you know, here's my number. If you're interested at all, blah, blah, blah. If not, no worries. And, then move on with your life. And if she doesn't call, she doesn't call. But ball's on her court at that point. See, that's I think what it, I would like.
0: I, I think know. it says a lot about you, what contact info like. Like, number is classic. Here's my number, you know. Right. But, like, yeah. if, if somebody's, like, if somebody gives you, like, their Instagram handle, then yeah. you're just like, wait a minute. There's a, that's like a red flag right there, right? Mm-hmm. And if they give you an email, then they're just, they're psychotic. They're I feel deaf- like that's,
2: I'm <laughs> like, is this a workplace? Yeah. Uh-
0: that's that's definitely like there that's definitely a psychotic situation there if they give me their weird. email. so yeah. um so I would be kind of make sure you don't mess that part up um listen one time um i was uh i was i was i was uh, infatuated with this girl at that worked at the 711 and I would walk in and she would be listening to NPR <laughs> and so I started listening to NPR and I was like trying to make small talk with her and then she was just like no go away Mm-hmm. and i was like oh okay so uh, the key as with uh sexual harassment is to be somebody that the girl likes because that is <laughs> yeah. gonna be, that's going to be the, the the key denominator there is yeah. if she's not into you already or if she doesn't find you pleasing to the eyeballs it's not gonna it's not gonna be good um, unless you are incredibly charming when you open up your line also you know there's also the thing of maybe just don't unless unless, i mean unless you you gotta basically the only way is for it to happen organically is for you to just just keep going there just not say you know you got to start with the nod and acknowledging that oh i see you here all the time hey you know is Mm -hmm. you know and then you could you could uh then maybe just do a different version of the croissant line every time you know just hey croissants am i right yeah Yeah. (laughs) Or just try to give her like a croissant high five. You'd be like, "Yeah, team croissant." I don't know. Yeah, um,
2: that's actually good advice. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, that's the only way it's gonna work naturally is just try to be silly and just keep seeing her, and then one day, like you're in line with her, and or you're just sitting there, or you she see you see she just got there, or she's getting up. you be like, "Hey, you know, I just I see you here all the time, and uh, you know, I just wanted to see if maybe sometime you'd like to get a croissant together or something, yeah. you know." I know this Ooh. other place, you know, or you know, he's like, do you do you only eat croissants? Because I know a great scone place.
2: Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure that'll work. Yep. I don't
0: know. I don't. Know. I was
2: gonna say I don't know. This is like, well, I would just say like lie. Hold on, hear me okay. out. Okay. The way that you said, because no, that you just you just okay, you just gave me an idea. Um, because there's a direct way, which is the one that I gave. Right, it's like just straight up send her a note, balls in her court, let her choose. But some girls love to like, you know, whatever. I don't know. They play games. Whatever. Anyway. Um the slower burn would be what Lou said. Just keep going, exposure, exposure. Don't even necessarily act interested, just the nod and the smile, whatever. Um, and but I was where the light comes in is one day, forget your charger or I don't know, need something and then go up to her and be like, Hey, like I see you here all the time. I'm so sorry. I like I I need a charger or like a laptop, whatever, something. And from that opener, if she's interested, I guarantee you, you will get eyes. You will be like, oh, please sit down. I don't know. Something like, I don't know. Make yeah. conversation. You will catch a vibe. If she's straight up just like, oh, I don't have one. Like, go away. Yeah. Or like, here you can use it, but like at the back or whatever. But like, go right. to your corner. Or you, here,
0: that- keep. Or here, keep this one
2: yeah exactly oh that's terrible yeah <laughs> here keep it yeah something like that like just an opener where it's like i need to borrow something i see here mm-hmm. all the time and maybe something a little flirtation but like, i don't know I, what would he what would, what would be a good secondary opener right there so that yeah. he can catch a vibe
0: uh yeah, that, like I said, probably the like. So, you know, are you like on an all croissant diet? You know, do you do you ever, you know, are you like against scones or something? Like, you know, just try to be silly and just
2: mm-hmm. try to
0: just see if she will venture to give you information about other parts of her. Because all you know is she likes coffee and croissants. You know. Yeah. You yeah. Know, the, do you does does she, what you know? You got to try to get an idea of something else about her
2: yeah uh, and yeah. and she needs to and she if she reciprocates she'll she won't want that conversation and trust me like if you ask yeah. her oh yeah. like is this a croissant here good i see you get it all the time or something like that i'll be like oh but you should try it sometime but what do you normally get like she'll ask a reciprocal yeah. question yes. yeah. she'll show interest
0: you got to just yeah you got to put it out there see what the vibe is that's kind of yeah. that's kind of the that's kind of that's kind of my philosophy you meet somebody you, you put the vibe out there and then you see it and if not then you just like, hey. You know, yeah. you you get to know them. Maybe you become friends. Maybe not. It just happens. You know, you can't get all butthurt because, you yeah. know, it, it's just trying to see you got a match. You, you're going to you're going to go through a bunch of like no's and eventually you'll find somebody that you vibe
2: with. Yeah, there's plenty of fish in the sea and listen. Like, you know, if this were if if you vibe and this works out, then, hey, that's great. But remember, she does not owe you anything. If she doesn't like you, it's OK. Take the L. Walk away. You're good. You're good, buddy.
0: Listen, or you could go like ultra aggressive, which is like, listen, one <laughs> one day I'm going to tell our grandkids how the first time, <laughs> how the first time I met you, I said croissant time, and how I said to myself, I'm going to marry that woman.
2: That's what they're going to be talking about in our wedding speeches, <laughs> croissant I mean, like, time.
0: <laughs> when, on our 60th wedding anniversary, it all started with a croissant. <laughs>
2: oh my god i love it this is a love story for the ages i hope it works out i really do
0: yeah but don't be creepy just say yeah. hi see if she meets it you, match, matches your eye contact and then try to find a time to just have a couple of words or find something mm-hmm. that you need and then just take it from there
2: yeah exactly and or by the way on the two like different ask
0: for the wi-fi password or something
2: yeah something like that i don't know if you're gonna go with the direct i will say if you're gonna go with a direct send her a note like let her know how you feel and give her the, the option. Don't also do the indirect way. Don't do both. That's just mm. too much. Cho- choose one lane and stick to it. So if stick you're going to do it. the indirect, stick to it. Don't ever send her a note.
0: <laughs> yeah, stick to it. Figure it out. Yeah. Have fun. Yeah. Well, all right, Sophia. Yeah. Thanks for stopping by.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, I'm glad I came in even uh for a little segment, but uh I will yeah, be I- back full force next Wednesday, I promise.
0: I will uh, I'll probably just end up cutting from the end of the interview to when you came on and then uh, for the audio version because I think it was just me goofing off for a while. <laughs> okay. um, so thank you for everybody that listened. Thank you for everybody that tuned in. We'll be back live next Wednesday, next week. And we will, because you have surgery, right?
2: Uh, an endoscopy. I think that's when they put the fucking what is that the 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 little thing in your stomach The camera oh, they're okay. gonna numb me they're gonna knock me out guys
0: <laughs> and i gotta actually check my schedule because well actually i'm getting i'm getting dental surgery but it's gonna be on a friday so i should be good for the yeah. following week after that cause okay getting, so yeah that's i scheduled okay. it on a friday for work and other stuff so i should if mm-hmm. i'm not gonna come on and talk like these
2: <laughs> okay <Or two. clears throat>
0: Or, or do for three what, hours. Or like a numb-ass mouth. My advice would be to meet cute again, and why don't you bring her your own? Okay, like bring her your mom. Uh, <laughs> He's like, I know you like the croissants here, but my mom, my mom made this one for you.
2: Oh my gosh, smooth, yeah, nah, nah,
0: nah. smooth, smooth. <laughs> smooth. All right, guys, peace out.
2: Yeah, adios, hasta luego. All right.